Welcome back everyone to episode number four of the Amateur Theatre Podcast. Today we're talking to Martha Ibbotson, a good friend of mine. It was really wonderful to catch up with her after a few years of, of not really seeing each other. We worked together on Romeo and Juliet in 2018, I believe, and she has since embarked on a, uh, a journey of discovery, taking herself off to drama school, and I caught her midway through that journey, and she kindly uh, opened up about her path to getting there. She talked about all the things that she had gone through prior to making the decision to head off to drama school, and now what she's uncovering about herself and the skills she's learning while at drama school. So it's a really nice conversation, slightly different to some of the other ones that I've recorded recently, and a real joy to uh, to get her insights into amateur theatre. So sit back and enjoy. Lots of work. Yeah. We're um gearing up for our showcases in okay. January, which just requires reading so many plays and looking for scenes to do that would be good for you and for someone else in your year, which is right. fine. It's just like it's it's the work part of acting, you know? That's that's the part that gets you to be able to just go on stage and not think about it though so it's important i reckon yeah oh yeah and if you, you know, if you pick the right scene then it can do really good things for you and showcase your talents really well but are you being led in that or are they just letting you is it like a free-for-all well we yeah at this stage it is but then we like bring options and then they go not that not that not that this but for someone else and i want to give you this scene okay weird and, and i'm already jumping the gun here because i do want to talk about um kind of the drama school ethos but mm. it does feel like and again you can correct me when we do come onto this topic but it does feel like drama school the one really amazing thing that drama school allows you to do is just be surrounded by actors and tutors and have the years to just go i'm gonna do that again i'll try that again i'll look at this I'll, you know it's not it doesn't have to specifically be someone very skillful teaching you something mm. just being immersed in it for that long means having just, a space yeah, yeah. and the time to try your own stuff from up yeah. courage. Also, you just do you do so much more acting in your years at drama school than you ever do again in your career yeah. in a concentrated period of time. That it just like the act of just doing something every day is like training in and of itself. Like yeah, definitely. You really figure out like whether it actually is what's getting you up in the morning, and it's not just like something that's different to work you know right. till you do it every day it could just be more fun than my job in a pub you know yeah but now it's like okay no actually I do it's been 18 months and I do still get out of bed in the morning excited the weird thing is I do get the impression that that statement in and of itself a wonderful thing that will say whether someone will make it as an actor or not because you're 18 months in and you're saying to yourself I know it's hard work I know there's shitloads I've got to learn, but I'm getting up and I'm going, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I know I've already spoken to a couple of people um, about not on actually not on this, but just about drama school who have like, you could see in their eyes. It's such hard work. It's like a job. It's like, it is like getting up and having to go to work 
for the day. And mm. I'm thinking, if you're not, it's not about enjoyment so much as discovery. If you're not prepared, if you're not waking up and going, right, today, I'm diving into this thing and I'm going to try and come out better. Yeah, it can be a fun three years of dicking around and doing stuff, but you're not coming out and, you know, so it's interesting that that just that thing you just said is just like, yeah, people, people and people probably aren't aware or no, aren't prepared to accept it. If they wake up and go, oh, shit, we got to walk down this hill and go to that fucking class where Johnny's going to tell us to bounce around on our asses for um, 10 minutes and then whatever. That is what happens. And I do have a practitioner called Johnny who's made us do that. So Yeah, you see, exactly. I know, I know these things. It's just so obvious. You know, I could do a training course. Um, no, I mean, I think Tom was talking about going into the woods and you have to pick an animal and then you have to spend the day you know and you, you go from so you need to be 100% squirrel and then 90% squirrel 80% squirrel I'm like yeah what the fuck is going on here yeah yeah, yeah. but you can do that 100% thing with like anything you can be like imagine you're in water and like take it to a 10 like you're in you're actually in what that look like take it to a 10 and now and now keep that sensation of 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 being in water but take yeah. it to May. take it down to I did that for you know a few hours <laughs> yeah yeah he was he did wind he did wind he was imagine your yeah wind is great wind is so fun wind made me laugh like out loud like uncontrolled laughing what? we had to do clay as well clay yeah moving what? clay oh my god I am clay made me I... clay <clears throat> made me I... cry <laughs> I, you're such a sicko. Yeah, <laughs> drama school is perfect for you. Um, mm -hmm. So what is, if we're just on drama school, what is like, I listen to that and I think, well, I think a number of things, but <laughs> <laughs> I did, like, okay, so I understand potentially that, well, no, I'm going to put words in your mouth if I say that. So what was your perception of why would why you're doing that? Like, why I have a reason in my head. Well, why are you being clay? Why are you being, why have you spent half a day of your life being water or being in water? Well, I, because, so that specific class, it was, um, we were learning Michael Chekhov techniques. Mm -hmm. And I found that method really helpful. Like I found the imagery of those things and bringing that sensation into my body brought up emotions in an organic and but in a safe way that's not like I was remembering about the funeral I went to when I was eight in order to make myself cry right I can just imagine I'm moving through clay and the sensation that causes a reaction in my body wait is that okay so I find so like drum school is just for me anyway I see it as a collection of classes that gives me lots of different methods and one of those methods will be remember that time your grandma died and see if, and then try and bring that into your work. And that, that doesn't work for me. Okay. Um, but another class is imagine your clay and that does, and I can pick and choose and I can see right. what work for me and which ones I feel safe doing like every day in a professional environment. Okay. Because acting can be so like fucking emotional, you know, like, act is so emotional and if you're not doing it safely it's like I think that's a, a big reason why a lot of actors end up dropping out or not making it or you know because it can be too much for a job 
you know, to have right. that in order to have to have to ask yourself to do that in order to make money to live is yeah. like hard, you know? Yeah. Especially if you pile on the idea that every day you're going to be told no, 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 not you yeah. because you're too short, you're too tall, you're too fat, you're too thin. Like it's, it's also a sort of a slight yeah. degradation of your soul as well. If you've gone into a room and you've bared your soul, yeah. And- Done, and you've you know brought up all of this like horrible trauma that you had in order to deliver a performance and then they go no because your hair isn't right yeah, yeah. like that's brutal but if yeah. I've just gone into a room and I've been like I'm going to be clay today and I play and I am a bit silly and I do a performance and then they say your hair isn't right I'm like oh, okay next time I won't be clay next time I'll be water you know see or, or, or you just didn't like my hair and the next director might like my hair yeah exactly yeah yeah, no, it's it's a weird investment of. I mean, we've, I've, it's interesting again that you've gone straight to that because it's someone else talked about it. Just that you kind of like you're opening your chest up and your heart is there beating and they're just sort of punching it and you're like, come on, <laughs> come on, give me a break. Well, and then you've got punching, to close it but up. They're like, got, they yeah, kind of look interested at it for a little bit and then make no expressions on their face and write something down and you're yeah, like, yeah. Ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. what are you writing about it yeah, yeah. what are you saying yeah. yeah it's a it's a it does i mean i think everyone knows that there's a yeah there's a certain level of like you you're giving a part of yourself away every time you do something as an actor that's mm. that there's the very few other professions that you you really have to be that vulnerable for that length yeah. of time um so can i just add quickly yeah yeah, yeah of course the reason i think i've come to drum school then is because like as an instinctive actor, I think it's very easy to start relying on unhealthy ways of producing that performance. Oh, okay, interesting. Because you like it would never occur to you pre-training that imagining you're moving through clay would produce the same performance. Like okay. you need someone to tell you that. And so, so that training, those methods helps okay, you safely. So that's really interesting because again, going back to just what I said about. It, this being a resource how yeah so an amateur actor is not going to learn to walk through clay or not even have the chance to walk through clay for a day as in you know what i mean mentally mm. walk through clay but what is the i guess i'm is there a way that that an amateur could get that into them without having to go to drama school or whatever do, do you see it as a just a <clears throat> unlucky you didn't get a chance to spend three years doing it you missed out on that but think about your dead granny you'll be all right because you're only doing it once every three months or is there like is that sort of stuff teachable outside of the space that you're in right now i think yes but i think you do need the provocation i think it's the thing that's never going to occur to you but if someone said you know in this scene you felt like an emotion came up in the scene just from you talking to someone and you weren't in that moment, you know, picturing the horses being slaughtered or whatever, trying to make yourself cry. So investigate that. If if you're doing um, some amdram and you're in a scene and it works, something works. Right. Even if it's just in your own time, like go home and investigate why that works. Even if, like sit there and think about it or write something down or whatever and build your own process I guess 
Yeah, you're creating a toolkit and you need to, yeah. with, in, in but, training. But if you're, if no one's teaching you the toolkit, then you need to find, you need to find yeah. it yourself yeah yeah i get it so it's like in in the training you're doing they're passing you tools that might fit in your toolbox and you're like nah that one doesn't work for me mm. i like that hammer a different shape or whatever you get keep keep being passed tools to put in it whereas amateur people have to go out find a tool see if it fits oh no put that one back go and find yeah. another tool from somewhere else so someone's yeah okay just like yeah and okay, randomly what the, the clay thing what is it that was triggering that emotion like do you know i don't I know that, that might be a bit too deep and meta to try and but like because if if you could pinpoint that there might be something in it for someone like yeah well, okay it's difficult because it's not an emotional trigger it's a it's a physical trigger and those will be different for everyone like most I, people broadly speaking will be made upset by the thought of someone close to them dying yeah um so anyone can think about that and it might make them cry for a bit but if you do that enough you get over it (laughs) it loses its power yeah it loses its power um but i can cry on demand by breathing because when i cry i habitually do this thing with my breath where it gets stuck in my chest Uh, so you're creating like a muscle memory that muscle memory which triggers the emotion yeah so the physical act of doing something not not the emotional mental sort of process is telling your body hold on a second are we crying why are we crying okay yeah yeah let's cry (laughs) and that like even if you just like sit there and really clench your fists really really hard like it's already making my voice come more like you know lower and so you can by observing yourself investigating what works with you like even just observing yourself day to day you can identify what those physical triggers are no no it's good i like it because yeah so like i used to do this thing when i was a self-indulgent teenager (laughs) i get really really upset about something and then i'd look at myself in the mirror as i was crying and then my face looked like so that i could use it that is good. Like always my first thought when I was having a big emotion, when I was like 14 or 15 and incredibly hormonal, was like, what do I look like? What is my body doing? How can I recreate this later? In That's a- pretty nice. That's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive foresight to <laughs> begin to. Just, like, oh, no, it's obsessed. sick. I mean, it's totally yeah, sick. It's- you should definitely be seeing a therapist, but <laughs> it'll be useful at some point. Don't worry about it. And now that you're aware you're doing it, yeah. You're partially over it, it's all right. Um, okay, cool. So then, what what other structural things are they are they kind of pushing onto you that might be useful? Do you reckon? What's I, so I, I get this idea. You know, we I think we can both agree that just having the time and the space to to dick around, dick around is the wrong word. You know, having the time no, and space. No, 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 it is. It's right. Yeah. Play, okay. Fuck about. Yeah, play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and also having, as you just said, someone who can maybe like you utilize again i'm using i I hate to use these words because i i think there's some subconscious hatred of drama school in me but like can can use silly games to get you to trigger certain emotions what more tangible things are they kind of imparting on you that maybe someone could go and like discover by themselves because those those you know that time and space we can't like you can't give someone that sadly either they're going to have that opportunity or not i the thing that's struck me most 
since coming to drama school and then like reflecting on my time doing amateur theatre is the, like the lack of emphasis on warm-ups. Really? Yeah. The oh. Because aside from all the like the learning of the methods and the, 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 the techniques or whatever, basically the only other thing they teach us is that your body is a tool. And if your body isn't warm and your voice isn't warm, then you cannot use it. Smart. They... Like those are the two things you have techniques and you have your body. And if like you can, you know, fucking forget about the techniques if your body isn't warm, because you can know intellectually what it is you're going to try and do. But like if your knee clicks every time you do it or you're, you know, you've got like a bad back or whatever it is, or you can't speak loud enough for the people to hear you. It doesn't matter what you're doing to make emotion go into your voice if you're not doing it loud enough. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes good we sense. We do, so we have compulsory warm-ups every day for an hour, self-led. We have to come in an hour before classes start and do a warm-up on our own. They used to like do them with us. Like they teach us warm-ups, they'd lead us in warm-ups. And now it's like, you need to be able to make yourself do this on your own because it's invaluable. Um, and I remember like a little bit doing it before shows in when I was doing amateur theatre, like... Some people drive it, right? Some people do, like, go, let's go and get in a circle and do this, that, and the other. Yeah. But unless you... Like, lots of people need different things, like, which is great. And especially for, like, the ensemble thing, that's wonderful, getting ready together so that you all feel that you're about to begin something, you're about to embark on something. It's so valuable. But people's bodies need different things. And I think there's, like... I think I certainly felt embarrassed to warm up on my own right. of the rest of an amateur cast. Like if no one else was doing it, I felt like I couldn't. Yeah, that makes sense. All doing it together. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I've read a little bit about warm-ups because I'm, I'm super keen on them and I've never implemented them ever. But I've, I've read, there was a study done, I don't know, few years back about amateur theater and one of the sections they talked about was how um amateur amateur directors who went to the open was it open scenes open i come up with open sources the rsc basically ran a a joint venture with amateur theater across the country and one of the things the rsc forced the amateur directors to do was take their cast through warm-ups and the amateur directors all fed back saying we can't do it because we meet for two hours twice a week. And if I spend an hour, you know, everyone getting in, getting their shit ready, and then I've got the room for two hours and it takes me half an hour to get them to do a warm-up. And then I've got 15 minutes after the warm-up where they're just dicking around. I'm trying to get, that's the first hour of the rehearsal done. I've got one hour to rehearse. And so they were, their, their feedback was, yeah, it's a great idea, but we've never been able to implement it effectively because we haven't got the time. Now, what you're saying is might be just be spend the first few rehearsals as an amateur director, get your guys together and teach them a few little bits and get them to do it on their own. And then, yeah. as you said, everyone's doing it. And then if you start doing it randomly more than everyone else, well, no one's going to judge you because, you know, the director has said, warm-ups are great. Let's get some warm-ups going. But he's also not, like, using up his precious time, as it were, forcing yeah. you all to stretch your legs and shout. Just and establishing an environment where people... Like one are expected to warm up, come warm or like warm up 
do exercises when like their scenes aren't happening or something. Yeah. Yep. Or like just stand in the corridor and do a little like have some stretches or whatever. Because you can like do yoga quietly in a corner whilst everyone else is rehearsing, as long as you're not made to feel embarrassed about that. Because yep. it's weird. Like it is weird. And if no one else in the room is doing it, it's like people just come from work. Why should you do <laughs> she got a yoga mat out? What the fuck? Yeah. But no, no, I know it's good. And it's invaluable, I think. Like as a performer, it, even if you don't immediately feel different, it just, there's something about being more, it makes you less self-conscious as well. Okay. When you're more in your body, like in your body, that's such a drama school thing to say. Like right. Being in your body, but it's as, a, as opposed to being in your head is what I well, mean. Yeah, no, I get it. If you walk in the door and you've come straight from work or from school or whatever it is and you've got all this stuff going on and you're not in the habit of like leaving that stuff being like now I'm going to focus on this that's exactly what I was going to say there's no transition there's, in amateur no. theatre no one ever transitions from their their life into the rehearsal yeah. room or whatever but warm-ups can do that like yeah exactly yeah provide just that moment of like breath of shake it off let's do something else like whatever it is you think you need to do for work you can't do it in the next two hours because you've committed to this yeah let's all commit to this together in this room yeah yeah no it's really good i really like that and again as you yeah that's definitely something anyone listening could could implement into their you know even if it's five minutes it's not they haven't got to put in half an hour of stretching and yodeling and whatever it might be they can Mm. they can just even just for the mental transition as you just said just plays it that boy. Yeah. Like it's... people looking at each other and listening to each other and making eye contact. Yeah. And it's, you know, my, yeah. some people stop thinking about like, the, you know, their, their boyfriend is cheating on them or whatever. It might yeah, be. exactly. Damn those guys. Fuckers. Um, <clears throat> okay, good. That, that's, that's really good. Uh, is there anything uh, I know? I mean, I, I think I like those, the two separations you made between, the kind of theater, theoretical stuff and um, those those practical stuff, practical exercises you can do. Is there anything else within the sphere of drama school that maybe you want to touch on? It doesn't have to be. Like I say, that's quite a nice, clean yeah. passing um, between the two. Read the books if you want to read the books. But if it's not going to help, you don't feel like you have to. Like I think right. a lot of actors feel like they should be reading more books. And you mean by that, you mean... How to be an actor books or Stanislavski yeah. books or yeah okay um I find it really helpful but that's like the way my brain works I find like reading words on a page like just the image of that makes it go into my head more um or like making notes on a book or something I find that helpful but if you struggle to like again it's a toolkit thing it's like the books are another tool. If they're not going to help you, they're not going to help you. So don't yep. just have to read them and don't feel guilty about not reading them either. Like you will figure out out on your own eventually. Like the books aren't like some secrets about acting that. If you don't read them, you never get them. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Like you will figure it out on your own. Yeah. It just might yeah. take longer and then you won't know what it's called, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You might see someone doing it in the room and you're like, oh, what's that little thing they just did? Why they do that? And you might copy yeah. it. That might be a very specific Brechtian trait that they've learned. Yeah. In- they're Some Uta Hagen. They, yeah. they endow an object. You know, yeah, like, yeah. You do that. You just don't know that it's called endowing. Like, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, okay. Can I, again, we started off 
in the middle. So I'm going to take you mm-hmm. back to the beginning very quickly. Could you very briefly like give a a potted history of kind of how you became the <laughs> lady sitting in front of me now, with with the kind of idea in mind that I'm trying to. I want people to understand that obviously there's a million different paths you can take to becoming a good actor, but maybe some of the stuff that you went through might be something that someone else is going through at the moment. You know, whether that be you did the school play and hated it, but still came back to it because you had. So, um, kind of how what has happened or what what's the process been to get you there? Yeah. Well, I've been quite lucky because both my parents have worked in the theatre. My dad was an actor and then he was a director at the RSC. Um, And he met my mum there when she was working in casting. And she's now an events producer and he works uh, in a university, started his own company after he um, left the RSC. Um, So I've always had like a job in the theatre be something that's actually achievable. Like right, in my house, like it's never been like completely impossible. No one becomes an actor. It's like, well, some people do. Like yeah. that has. So it, like I've always known that it was hard and a fluke and he didn't really come to it until he was in his late 20s. And after he, you know, done a geology degree and worked on an oil rig and tried to be a teacher, you know, and then he did acting. So it's never been like he didn't just like call up my drama school and be like, yes, Muff is coming, you know. I still had to work for it, but it's it's been an achievable goal in my head. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you've if you've fallen and looked up from the ground and go, I'm never getting up from this. This is absolutely impossible. To know two people that have achieved and must have gone through some adversity themselves, you can stand mm-hmm. up again and go, right, I'm trying again. And I've never been faced with that like disapproval. Like my parents did a like, maybe you should have a plan B just in case, you know. But they've never been like don't go to drama school, you should get a proper degree. You know, like, right. sentence has never been uttered in my hand. But, again, sorry, I'm a, I'm a perpetual interrupter. I apologise. But um, it, do you, if you were to think about it now, would, do you believe that's because you had the talent? Would they have said that if they thought, shit, Martha, you are not good at this? <laughs> Maybe well, I don't think I was, yeah, I don't think I was very good as a kid. Oh, okay, know? cool. Oh, that's interesting. Like, I think I was loud. I got cast in stuff when I was 12 because the audience could hear me. Right. It was like, I didn't get stage fright. So I, I wouldn't like break down on the night before. I'd be like, I'm so afraid I can't do it. So as a kid, I got cast in stuff. And then I got good because I got experience. Right. Okay. I was, I'm not like inherently a wonderful actor. And therefore my parents were like, she'll be fine. But Right. You know? Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. But and also, weirdly, the two things you just said are really important for someone listening. Like, you, <laughs> you, it, you get good because you do it. You don't, yeah. You're not, you know, just you're 12 to 16 and you're doing shit. Don't worry about being shit to a certain yeah. degree. Because no, if you does... want to be an actor, the best way to do that is to act. Yeah. And so it doesn't really matter what you're acting in or how well you're acting in it. Like, yeah. Just do it. Yeah, and and not being, you know, not being at school in the school production and Hollywood come knocking like they did for Daniel Radcliffe doesn't mean mm. you're not going to end up, you know, fulfilling the dream because, yeah. you know, a lot of that is just pure fluke and there are there probably were, you know, a thousand other actors 
as good as Daniel Radcliffe. They just happen to walk into his school at the right time and yeah. whatever. So, yeah. <clears throat> okay, so you've got the impetus to to do it. You've got kind of the the vision that you, it's achievable. Yeah. Um, and then it was just clubs, clubs and clubs and clubs and clubs from the age of six. So I lived in uh, London till I was six and then I moved to Oxford. Um, and in London, I did Stagecoach. And I was, uh, this is the first show I was ever in. I was a piece of seaweed in a production of The Little Mermaid. That fucking water shit would have helped so much back then. I know. I know. No, but I was like the most committed piece of seaweed. Oh, you got it already. Yeah, I see. That's, I why the, really... that's, why the, that's why the clay worked for you, you see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember being the seaweed when Ariel, the girl that was playing Ariel, who would have been about like 12 and when I was six, because it was like the junior one or whatever, um, was singing Part of Your World. And I remember so vividly being seed and swaying and watching her and being like, nah, I wouldn't have done it like that. You You're know? so sick. You're so sick. Like, she's <laughs> good. But like, if I was her age, I'd do it better, obviously. <laughs> Unreal. Un-fucking-real. Did you then go yeah. home, cry and look at yourself in the mirror? No, <laughs> not, not yet. Not yet. That came down. Oh, like, so later. Okay. Another 10 years down the line. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But then, so from six, I think I did maybe two plays a year at least. Okay. Until I was about 12 in various clubs. And then when I was in secondary school, it probably went to about four plays a year. And that would have been like the main school production whatever we were doing actually in drama class, like for exams at the end of the year for assessment. Um, I had a drama club on Saturdays and then I had, when I got a little bit older, I had another drama club on Wednesdays. And then I was also doing like those speech and drama exams. They're like little, the ones where you just like three people do them in a room. And yeah, so, so bad. Didn't teach me anything about acting but gave me a certificate to say that I could do it. So I felt confident, you know? Okay. Um, and I know that. Sorry, just to interrupt again. This story is not as I thought it was going to be. You're not really, you, you are, you are like super committed. <laughs> you are like, <laughs> I mean, it's unreal how much shit you're doing to get to where you are. But again, really important because I know, I, I think I set it up badly in my head and maybe from what I said in the, I thought you'd just sort of go, yeah, I did a bit of drama school. Did a bit of... And then I got to 16 and thought, shit, that was, I did a really good production of whatever it was. I can now pursue this. It sounds like at six, you'd already gone, I can, I can do this shit better than most. I'm going for it, which is amazing because then it's again, I think I'm just reiterating what I said 10 minutes ago, but you've got to fucking commit to doing yeah. stuff. If you don't do stuff, you're not going to get better, especially in this line of work. This is like, in acting, it's really important that you're like aware that you may have to do yeah. five, and six I, shows. I a should year. say, in my four shows a year, for until I was 18, I never once played a lead role. Okay. Because I was always too small or I couldn't sing or, um, you know, I was because I'm also I'm a girl, and there are much fewer lead parts for girls. Yeah. I've been, yeah, younger sisters and best friends for my entire school career. And that, but that was enough to fuel your ambition, though. Still enough to. Yeah, because I didn't do it because I wanted to be the best at it. I just wanted okay. to do it. Right. In classes and stuff, 
you know, in scenes I got to do good scenes and good work and good characters in that. Okay, so and and was any of that obviously I'm I'm pretty confident that what you you know, the experience was the most the biggest learning kind of curve that you had by doing all that stuff. It's just getting on stage, performing, going through learning lines and you know, all the all the stuff you need to do to produce a play as an actor. What about the kind of characterization stuff? When did that is it is there a moment you can imagine you being a little bit more present as to how you present the stuff? I think acting as a kid is really interesting because like the thing they try and teach you at drama school is to stop trying and is to stop is to like because you get to if you especially if you come to acting later or as a teenager you get very like determined that you have to believe in it all the time and on stage you're constantly in your head being like i but i'm his daughter and so therefore i must think this and then that's my sibling and so therefore i behave to them like this thinking about the circumstances and trying to make yourself believe in them and at drum school they try and make you just (laughs) stop believing like understand the context in the moment you don't have to actively believe it because you're never going to do that because you're always going to be acting. You're always going to know that you're pretending. So as a kid, you don't do character work in that way. You don't do like, what's just happened, therefore how will I feel? But you sort of, like you don't make yourself believe it, but I think it does happen more organically. You just carry on the game. And as a teenager, you get so subconscious about that and you start thinking about yourself and you forget how being a human, people are watching you. Um, I can't think when I first was like, I'm going to make this decision about my character. Right, but which like, is fine. I'm, I, I, I suppose I'm just trying to, I'm trying to work out at what stage you and maybe others are beginning to kind of like think a little deeper about the whole play maybe or, you know, and again, I'm not, I'm really not trying to dismiss the, the early years of your acting career from six to 16 or whatever it might be. Mm. But I, I really like the idea that that, that set of experience doesn't specifically need to have, doesn't, I, you don't need to pinpoint, Oh, at this moment I did this, this, and this and whatever. It's the experience of doing it by, by doing it, you're learning stuff and you're whatever. But at some yeah. point there's a more clinical approach to acting that comes in. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but I, you know, people begin to sort of start wanting to, yeah. Add, add a few more layers to what they're presenting, you know? Yeah. I'm thinking maybe now about a scene I did from A Memory of Water with two of, like, my best friends from the year, and we had to play three sisters. And we had so much fun doing that because we were friends and because we were sisters and because we sat around in class, basically, not really doing much acting, but being like, I bet when they were kids, this happened and this happened. And I, she was always the spoiled one. And like, I bet, you know, when we were younger, like I found her so annoying that you like doted on her, both of you team, you know, and you sort of, that chat about it, that is character work. Yeah, you've created a backstory without even... Without even noticing because it comes from a place of, like trying to like make your friends laugh yeah you know trying to like just imagining just like playing telling stories to each other and I think that's what amateur theatre does really well as well when you have a group of people who get on quite well they end up 
just at the, you know, when you go to the pub for a drink afterwards, you have those chats, like do that. Like I remember when we did Romeo and Juliet, me, um, Charlie and Maddie and Amber had so much fun being like the Capulets together, you know, being like the Capulet girls and like thinking about like relationships are outside of the play and behind closed doors and like how close are Tybalt and Juliet really like if in this world they're both girls did they grow up together did they play dolls together when they were kids did they you know like that's good I like it ever have a crush on the same boy like we had so much fun with that and I think that it makes those relationships richer on stage because when I looked at Maddie I wasn't looking at my colleague Maddie like Tybalt was looking at her cousin who's been raised like her sister right you know and then it, yeah yeah it's good you do it without realizing yeah so it's, it's well there's also a way for a, a director to like start those conversations and prompt those conversations without it being like I've set you some work some character work to do like yeah yeah okay so Again, that's good. So, yeah, from a, from a director's point of view, just ensuring that they're they've in their heads created those structures, and then can find a way of allowing just discourse to take place that isn't, as you say, your homework tonight is this. Rather, like, guys, this is the scene. You know, when did you guys first kind of start playing together, or when did you guys start? You know, when was your first fight, or why is it that you know maybe it's just yeah. the questions you ask kind of thing. I'm remembering now that in that same production we had a thing uh Michael and I who's been Mercutio we had a thing that Tybalt and Mercutio were exes and like they had been together and then like had split up and Mercutio had ended up like becoming friends with Romeo and Tybalt saw that as like a huge betrayal because she hates Romeo obviously because they're rival families um and it meant that that's the the fight that Tybalt and Mercutio have was like in some moments, quite sexually charged. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For us, that was just fun. Like, that was just playing. But that's an interpretation of the text, you know? Definitely. That's, and, and that's a, a choice. That is character work. That's... Definitely. And that and it takes it away from the surface acting into, you know, but not just for you as actors who can come from a different place inside of yourselves when you when you get into that scene, but also from an audience perspective, they're not just seeing you do your Shakespeare voice and your Shakespeare posture. Yeah. They're seeing something, something well, they don't, they may not even know what it is, but they're, yeah. they're picking up but, a vibe of something or feeling something yeah. because the you text can... has color. It has yeah. meaning. It's not. Yeah. Words. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Um, okay. So then let's, I really want to get on to well, auditions, rehearsals and show sure. would be really great. How, how do you approach an audition? How do you approach rehearsals? What is it that you want in rehearsals? Like, how do you want a director to approach rehearsals so you feel most comfortable and get the most out of it? And then how is how is this, the show kind of, how do you present yourself when you get onto stage? So if we go with auditions, mm. kind of like, maybe I'd start by saying like, how do you pick a piece that you want to, want to get involved with? What's your process for that? With amateur theatre, there's so much less of it. Okay. Um, which is fine because there's fewer people trying to audition for it as well. But like it's in Oxford, for example, if you want to do a play over the summer, there's maybe five companies. Yeah. 
maybe doing something between the months of May and August. And if that's the time you have to do a play, you you know, like maybe don't, if there's one that you hate, don't audition for it. Or if there's a person in it that you know you don't, don't audition for it. (laughs) But like, you have to find the, you know, if you want to act, it's kind of all acting regardless of what the play is and what the part is like the okay and obviously it's nice to have an interesting character but i've found the the most interesting and the best work i've done has been when i've been cast in something that i'm like really this me are you sure and i haven't liked that character to begin with like i thought they were a bad person or whatever and then by the end i found something really interesting okay actually that like trying to bring yourself closer to that character or that character closer to you is what makes it the differences between you is what makes it interesting is what gives that character depth okay my advice would be don't just audition for the ones that you think you'll like because you will surprise yourself (laughs) by getting well yeah yeah. you don't know yeah and even if all the all the reverse that you you probably could get cast in the ones that you like, but you may never come across the ones you don't like and then discover what you've just yeah. said. Yeah, okay. Um, would you... I know you're you're smart enough not to say, this is the only character I'm going to accept unless I, you know, I'm auditioning for this part, give me this part or don't bother offering me. But are you are you going in with, an, with a, you know, with Puck on your mind or with whatever? Well, you want to show yourself to your best, um, regardless of what character that's in. And like directors are smart, mostly. Um, well, yeah, present company excluded. Um, the, and so they'll, they're not, if you go in and you have picked something specific and you're like, I've learned this Juliet monologue or whatever, and you do it and they don't want you for Juliet, they're not going to be like, well, obviously she can't do anything else. Like they see, Okay. Fair, fair what you look like and what you're good at. Because I right. didn't for Tybalt for you. I read Juliet and I did the prologue as well, I think. And I asked to do the prologue because I knew it by heart. Right. I already knew it and I wanted to do something off book because I knew that that would show me to my best. And I didn't want to play the character that reads the prologue. That's not a, that's, <laughs> that's, you know, like that wasn't my lofty goal. <laughs> I want to do the prologue. I knew I could do it off book. And right. so I was like, I could read this for you or I could do this one and I could put the script down and I could use my body and I could actually show you what I can do to the best of my abilities. Um, so don't worry about being about picking a character and then not being selected for that one because directors see you regardless. Okay. The other thing that's really good and that I think even if amateur directors don't know that they're looking for this, they actually are in auditions is flexibility and definitely and easygoing, you know? So if you walk into a room and you read something and they go, would you mind reading this? Just being able to go, yeah, I'll read that, whatever it is, even though you don't know that part and you don't like that part and you don't want that part. Right. No, I agree with that totally. Yeah. Any sort of rigidity is is really off putting. Yeah, that 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 flexibility is definitely key. Like seeing that is definitely gives you as a director the kind of confidence that you can 
shape something together with this person rather than just yeah. fighting with them to put your part of put your view of Romeo onto them rather than them bringing their Romeo. Yeah. Um, so how would you how do you how do you actually approach the audition then? Like, what's the process for getting ready for an audition and delivering the best audition piece that you think you can? Uh, well, I used to be absolutely terrified of auditions, like properly, like shaking in my boots, absolutely, completely, ter- more terrified of auditions than I was for any other part. It's, it's so weird that uh, lots of people say that. And I, I well, I'm going to, uh, yeah, rather than, again, putting words in your mouth, talk me through it, keep going and I'll, you know. Well, I'll come in back a in. show, you go out there and even if you're a bit shit, people will probably clap at the end because that's what you do at the theatre. And you've sort of, Everyone who's there has signed a contract saying we're doing being in a theatre now. Right. Act, and then at the end I will clap. And even if they secretly think it's shit, you never have to know that. Right. You can still go out the end and bow, and people will clap because we're British. You know, no one's going to sit there with their hands in their lap like that was shit. Yeah, and boo, and boo for ten minutes. Bow in silence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like no one's going to do that. But in an audition, for one, it's just you. You haven't got the rest of the cast on stage with you to back you up. And the people that you're performing for are like actively judging you. Like judging is a horrible word because they're not being like, she's shit, she's bad. Then you're just being like, is she right for this part? Yes or no? Which is a very different question. It feels like it's the same question, but it's not. <laughs> and you have to believe that. But it's very like, I am actually coming here to impress you. Like my... You know, I want something specific from you and you have the power to give it to me or not. Right. An audience, it's like, I'm going to do this performance regardless of whether you're here or not. I'm glad you're here. And, and you will you will clap anyway, so it's And you right. will clap anyway, so it doesn't matter if everyone right. goes to shit. But in an audition room, like one, no one's going to clap. An audition <laughs> panel doesn't give you a standing ovation at the end, even if it's marvellous work. They just sort of go, thank you very much, we'll be in touch. Just an actor, like that's not why you do it, you know. Like, I need the applause, darling. Um, <laughs> it's just so it's a bit <laughs> so that was very much how I saw it, um, before I came to drum school. And now I've been working very, very hard to shift my mentality around it. And I've sort of realized I really like acting. And I really want to do it all the time. And an audition is just another opportunity to do that. Right. And to like lower the stakes for yourself. Instead of going in being like, I want Romeo and trying your absolute hardest to get Romeo. You sort of go in, you go, I'd like to do some acting. And then they go, would you act for me, please? And it's like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. How weird is that? Yeah. Amazing. This is fun. <laughs> this is fun. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to do some acting for you because that's what I like to do. It's yeah. my job, you know? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think that attitude more than anything is. And it, But is that a loss of, have you disregarded the, how do I want to phrase this? Do you not care if they say no anymore? What What is it that you've managed to achieve in order to just go in and it's just that change of mindset to say, doesn't matter what the outcome is. We're going to have this this moment we're well, sharing. Is... does matter. Like, okay. you want it. Right. But you want it because that's an opportunity to do more acting. Right. Not because 
you want that part specifically or you need the money or you want people to love you or you want to be good you know it's your motivation always is I would like to do some acting please and any opportunity to do that will be fun and nice and relaxed right disappointing when you don't get it and it'll still be very exciting when you do but it just means that in the moment in the room you're not thinking about that Okay, so you okay. So, but how do you then not allow the rot to set in where the the next three auditions you don't get a part, and you've gone hold on? I just I've just been having fun, but no one seems to like my fun. (laughs) (laughs) How do you overcome, or how are you how are you justifying that to yourself? That that yeah, I I mean, I and that's not me trying to question what you're saying. I totally, I love that idea, and definitely amateur actors should definitely be going in and much more like this is not life or death this is like yeah come on especially and because everyone it. there is doing it for the love of it as well that's the thing about amateur theater yeah so nice and so different from professional theater is everyone is only there because they love it so there's no expectation in amateur auditions for you to be off book so yeah. at the moment my audition process is learn the lines learn oh, really? as you possibly can before right. you and you'll get you know sides like for theatre it might be two or three sides of lines and the audition is in three days right. and you want to be off book that um, sucks so I think <laughs> can I say a quick thing about learning lines actually one of the most shocking things that I've discovered since drama school is that people uh, like even here people don't Learn the line. Really? Yeah, they just... They, they definitely don't in amateur theatre, so I would be surprised no, that they, they're not doing but, it. In... And I was like, I thought that that might change, and it doesn't. Really? <laughs> it doesn't. It's such a bizarre thing. It's so odd. And I know it's work, and I know it's boring, but actually, if you want to be a good actor, you have to learn your lines. Like, no, that's a very good point. <laughs> even, as, even as a respect thing for your other actors... Learn your fucking lines. <laughs> yeah. Like, gen- you don't need to do anything more than the lines, and people will ask you to come back and do another show. Yeah, no, I did. I interviewed Craig. In rehearsals, and you learn your lines. Yeah, I interviewed Craig. People and, will and said, ask you to come back. Yeah, he said the same thing. He was like, the one thing that really pisses him off and puts the process back is people who don't learn their lines. Because, like, yeah. that's the most basic thing you can do to help yourself, your fellow actors, and the production is learn your lines. Yeah. Like, yeah. Weird. It's the only thing really required of every actor. Like everyone, every other part of it, your process can be different. You can try different things. You can do anything you like, except for learning your lines, in which case you have to just learn them. Please. <laughs> and, that, and that requires like sitting down and looking at them for ages. You know, you can have different methods. You can write them out. You can listen to them. You can have people test you on them. You can say them aloud over and over again whilst pacing up and down. But like it's all just work. Yeah, that's the that's the graft of it. Yeah, you've got it. Yeah. You've got it. Yeah. So, okay. So what were we talking about? Audition, just audition preps. Yeah. Um, well, I think people enjoy watching you enjoy yourself. Okay. So even if you choose like a monologue that's you know harrowing and you cry and and beat your breast and you know whatever it is, if you're doing that because you find it so fun, like it'll be nice to watch. So don't pick something you think they want to see. Okay. 
something that you want to do. Okay, that's good. It makes you excited to perform because that's whatever it is, even if it's from a different play, will be so much more compelling to watch than like something you think they want to see, but that you don't really like. Okay. And what's the, again, I, I'm conscious of time. I want to be on to rehearsal very quickly, but what's the, mm. in audition, you have 30 seconds, two minutes, whatever it is. Yeah. To, to get an essence across of what might you might, or you believe that a director might find interesting, useful, something like that. How do you have any sort of method in your head? Yeah. I'd say make a choice. Make any choice. Okay. Make that choice. All right. Um, and if in the room you can also convey that you can be flexible and you're not in love with your own ideas and you can change, then it doesn't matter what choice you make. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And whether that choice is like, I think Juliet is like really quite bubbly and quite happy and she's kind of like a slightly precocious 13-year-old and then you just play Juliet like, ah, ha, ha, you know, and a bit giggly and a bit like that. If the director doesn't like that, you, they'll say, you know, or if they don't say, you can be like, I thought she might be quite happy, but she doesn't have to be, you know? Yeah, no, as you say, a smart director will see that and go, okay, so that's not how I saw it, but it does show some range that I can yeah. work with. It shows something that's different from you as well. Right. You'll chat, you know, you'll have a chat and you'll talk about stuff. And if when you sit down and you're going, hi, I'm Martha, I'm 22 and I'm interested in this and I like that. And I'm, yeah, I'd like to do this show. And today I'm reading Juliet. If when you get up, you do something different to how you were behaving when you were sat down. It's, that's like, oh, okay. She can make choices and she can create things. Okay. Okay. So how do you like to move through the process of the rehearsal what you know if you were to try and give it some stages for me as to where you'd like to be at certain times and what you'd like to have covered and how you'd like to have approached it but leading up to the show and how do you like the space to work for you you know are, are you looking for a director to give you very concise blocking in the first few weeks and bear in mind we're talking amateur theater here so you might be doing two or three rehearsals a week for two hours over the course of five months I think the most important thing in amateur theatre is feeling safe. Safe that we will probably finish blocking everything by the time of the show. Oh, okay. Nice. You know, like <laughs> just that I am com feeling confident that people will be off book and in any given scene I will be able to walk on and know where I'm going and what I'm doing okay is invaluable because the bit the when you start to panic and when like the the drama of amateur drama comes in I think is when people stop trusting each other and like it gets to like three weeks before the show and and Mercutio still hasn't learned their lines and we haven't got to act five yet like that's when people start going batshit yeah. because it's not a professional environment. Right. No one is policing themselves as much in terms of like, you know, being polite and turning it up in time and being, you know, being professional because it's not professional. Yeah. People start going crazy, which is, you know, sort of part of the fun sometimes. <laughs> but um, in terms of, 
process, I'd say it's absolutely necessary, is just having visited at least once all of the scenes in the play mm-hmm. to the degree that the actors would feel, you know, relatively would consider it done. Like we've done that scene. Not right. that it's finished, but just that it's been done in a way. Yeah. Um, Is there kind of any specifics that make you feel better when you're in that space? Like, do you prefer to have more rigid kind of defined lines on which you can through in between which you can play or is there a freedom that you like to have to discover stuff i think now i prefer a little bit more freedom because more confident that the choices that i make will work yeah but i think in when i was doing amateur theater it made me feel more confident to have more secure blocking i think right but mostly because it made me trust the people that i was in a scene with okay do it because like however much confidence you bring and you think i'm gonna you know i'm gonna smash this i know what i'm doing if your scene partner doesn't stand in the not right place but the same place or they make a strange choice or like they're not listening to you and they're just sort of doing their own thing on the stage and you're like walking around them being like, what is happening? The, that can be really scary when it's a group of non-professionals. Right. Because however much you trust yourself, you don't necessarily trust the other people because you don't know how much experience everyone has had and no one seems to be learning their lines and you've never worked before. <laughs> so you don't know whether they will actually learn by the performance or whether they're going to be like just making it up on stage because sometimes that happens like that yeah, definitely i think anything that can establish like a base level of trust like right. and if i don't know my scene partner and i don't necessarily we well, you know we might not get on personally if i know that they're going to stand in the same place every time for the director and told them to stand there it creates a level of like i know how this scene is going to go we start right over here in the middle we walk around here and at the end we finish standing over there and then we leave out this door like having that I think makes the company trust each other more right okay that makes sense I get it so and and, you know I'm sure that stuff can change so it's not like it's not like it's set in stone but as a yeah yeah, I I get the idea that it, it and again, it's something I'm trying to replicate more in my stuff is that yeah. just to create that atmosphere of like, firstly, I know what I'm doing and don't worry. And secondly, yeah. we'll walk through this bit together and then off you go, see where you take it. Yeah. Yeah. That foundational stuff is probably quite important. But so the, the practical you don't want to fall through with doing prescriptive blocking though is being like but it can change and then every single rehearsal changing it yeah no no and that's by week you're doing the same scene over and over again and every time you stand in a different place but nothing else really changes yeah like and so that like on the first day let's go through the whole thing and decide the blocking i would say no yeah obviously it's going to change and it just makes that work redundant but like Having, I think when you find something that works, like, because your process to getting to that blocking can be whatever you like, and it can be, let's feel it out, let's see how you feel, let's see how I feel. But when you found the blocking that works, 
having someone with authority in the room say, that's good. This works. This is the final. Let, let's do this for now. I say otherwise, this is the version that we're doing. Yeah, okay. How you've got there can be different. And like some directors will have in their head already how they want it to look and some directors won't. And like that's the beauty of working with different directors is you get to do it in different ways. Um, but having that like, yeah, the authority figure to just be like, cool, I like this. This is working for us so far. It might change, but that's what the note we're going to end on is not it might change. The note we're going to end on is... We've got it. Yeah, yeah, we've got that. Yeah, okay. So, in terms of characterization in the rehearsal, what's your process that you're doing through that, like those months, to get the best possible person to go on stage and deliver the show? What's your? Because if we're saying if we're saying we've created a nice environment for you to operate in, and we've we've kind of laid the groundwork for you to play and to discover stuff. What is it? What is the action of discovering that you like to do, or how do you do it? I'm a big fan of text work. I know a lot of actors aren't, but I find like mining the text for information about my character really helpful. Right. Um, and it creates a character that makes sense as well in the world of the play and isn't something arbitrary that you thought that doesn't really fit with everyone else or the world okay like going through and seeing like one being like how old is she who are her relations how you know like how long has she known these people what's she just done where's she going that sort of thing right you've got like what is it that people say about her like so for example hermia hermia never says about herself like i am confident i am feisty i am whatever but characters say that about her all the time Okay. And I think that distinction is really important. So you have this is how I come across to people, but then what you get to bring is how I actually feel. Right. Okay. You know? Yeah. And then you have an outside, you have a how people see me, and you have a how I actually am. And so you get a combination of this is what the text tells me, and this is what I've brought. And then the friction between those two things is where you get an interesting character and a deep character and a character with conflict. It's not yeah. about making a decision that you feel is right. It's about finding what the right decision is, if that makes yes. sense. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Finding what the right decision is. And then once you've got that, you don't have to play that in the scene. You don't have to play the work you've done. You just have to know it. It's you just there. And, you, and, and by doing the work, you know it. Like, I'm not saying you have to learn it off by heart or whatever, but you just... By having done that work, you know what that is. And then in the scene, you can do whatever you want. Um, I find physical stuff really helpful. Like, does this person stand on their toes? Do they stand on their heels? Do they walk fast? Do they walk slow? Do they, like, use their arms a lot? Are they a big gestures person? Or are they, like, quite, like, do they have a lot of tension and, like, fiddling with their hands? Um, and I find making, like, one or two choices like that just to play with to begin with. And like, again, these things can change, um, but it gives you something to do with your body in the room. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. Otherwise you end up standing there doing your physic, your nervous actor physicality and saying lines. Yeah. If you go, I'm not going to stand like 
how Martha is feeling. I'm going to stand like how Hermia is feeling, which is like angry and passionate. And when I'm angry and passionate, I use my arms in a big way. I'm going to make the decision that typically Hermia uses her arms in a big way. And if you make that statement at the beginning, then you can find the moments when she doesn't use her arms in a big way. And then what does that mean? You know, is yeah. when she's not feeling angry or passionate. You can show that difference that like, I don't need to use my arms in a big way. I'm taking like, she's feeling something smaller, something more internal. That makes sense. Makes total sense. Yeah. Is, is there anything in your head that kind of you would say that is a good technique or just as it's just a mindset to have to allow you to have the freedom just to do stuff, you know? Yeah. I I'd suggest maybe if you're afraid or embarrassed or whatever it is, interrogate that feeling. Okay. Like because is is are you feeling embarrassed because you think people are laughing at you and then ask yourself whether people actually are right or whether that's in your head or are you feeling afraid because you don't want to like go if it's like a dark scene or whatever and you don't want to go to that place emotionally are you afraid actually of going to that place emotionally or are you afraid of going to that place emotionally in front of people Mm -hmm. and if it's the former then maybe you need to talk to your director about a different way of doing the scene Mm -hmm. because if you're not prepared to go there then you shouldn't have to and if it's the latter then you have to remember that that's sort of the point you know and if you're not doing it in front of people then you're just sort of crying in your room you know Mm -hmm. and that's not fun (laughs) and that's not that's not acting either that's That's not acting that's just (laughs) having emotions Yeah, and I think also don't be afraid to voice those feelings as mm-hmm. in the room. Name it. Like, if you're doing an awkward scene where you have to kiss someone that you don't really like and there's lots of other people there and you're a bit, and you're embarrassed and you're afraid, just be like, this is really embarrassing. This is so awkward. I feel really weird. And then do the scene anyway, you know? Right. Name it in the room. Okay, that's nice. And I think a director can do that as well. If a director sees someone being embarrassed, be like, I can see that this is going to be very embarrassing for us all. But is it so embarrassing that we're not even going to try? Or just going to like laugh and push through it? Because a lot of the like, I don't want to try this as an actor comes from like a, because I don't think I can do it well enough because I fail. Yeah. I want to try because I think I'll fail. And so if you, Yeah, so the failure thing is really I'm important. gonna try, it might not go very well. Let's have a go. And then yeah. do it. Name that it might not go very well. Yeah. No, no, I like uh, the failure thing is really important because the failure thing is like it's it's saying is if you can accept that failure is part of the process. Yeah. Then failing isn't a problem. Yeah. If you if you feel like the embarrassment of not getting it right or trying to present something that everyone looks at each other and goes, what the fuck was she doing is, is hard to overcome. Then you're, yeah, you're, you've misunderstood what we're in this space for. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I like that. And yeah, the naming thing is really good. If you can, yeah, if you verbalize it straight away, then you've, you've got, 
you've mm. got one up on yourself mentally and also you've presented it to everyone else as to why you may look awkward or feel awkward or it might come across slightly more awkward than other stuff you've done is because you're yeah. feeling awkward or yeah afraid or whatever and what are you developing stuff throughout the run as well are you, do you do you like to have solidified your character and their interactions so you can present that over and over again or are you you ensuring that you're open enough to I find every every time I do it it's a little bit different I think you know who your character is and how they would react in any situation okay so I think there's nothing more like annoying as an audience than to watch characters completely ignore something huge that's happening because it's not in the play yeah, I totally agree. Takes you out of the world quicker than, like, if half you know when you're doing a scene and you've got props and a prop falls off the table and it starts really slowly rolling towards the and edge. everyone. No one does anything. Nobody <laughs> is looking at the acting. Everybody is looking at the prop. Yeah. So if you can, in character, notice that the prop has fallen off the stage, do a little like, ugh. And then pick it up whilst you're talking. Just go and get it. Put it back on the stage like you're a normal person who wants their things to be on the stage and not on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Like that's, yeah. I like, yeah. The rigidity of like, well, we didn't block that I go. (laughs) So I can't is death to a play and to an actor. No, I totally agree. But And that's the same for like interactions and conversations if somebody delivers a line a bit differently or with a different emotion respond to it don't ignore it yeah it's in the show because the lines will still come in the same order and you'll still get to the end and you'll still leave and the next scene will start yeah not the end of the world to change things in front of an audience no okay i agree Uh, from a from from your like character development perspective through rehearsals and on stage are you how do you focus the character? Do you, because clearly you know your character does certain things throughout the play and may die at the end or something. How are you mm. focusing your attention? Are you doing scene by scene and allowing, like, you know, if you've got a scene where someone comes in and tells you that your dog has just died, are you present that that's coming or are you focused on a specific objective in that scene and then you're reacting to the delivery of that news? Are you present of what happens to you throughout the course of the play mm. and you're focusing your attention on the fact that you're going to die so emotional stuff is is more prescient because you know the outcome or are you centered on what's happening in front of you well this is i think what's so fascinating because you can't not know what's going to happen no you've read the play so you yeah. you've read the play you know and trying to play in the moment not knowing what's going to happen is is boring to watch. I don't okay. want to watch a play full of people pretending they don't know what happen. I want to watch a play full of people doing things, you know, like making choices, trying yeah. to affect people, trying to achieve something. Okay. So scene by scene, if you're on stage trying desperately to persuade yourself that you don't know that someone's about to tell you that your dog has died you're not acting, you're doing something else, you know? So it's, you've got to just not worry about it. Okay. What is the difference for you and what is the transition and what do you, what, what is like show routine for you? 
because obviously it is different from rehearsals. In mm. rehearsals, you, you you know, and I, I guess what, why is it different? And kind of what is your approach to the the show week or the show run? I don't know how it's different, really. It sort of is the thing, isn't it? Like it's the it's different in that it's utterly different. Like you go, you arrive at a different time, and you arrive every day, and you get into your costume and then you just do the play once and you don't talk about it whilst you're doing it and there are other people there watching and you do all of the play as well <laughs> yeah all of the play from the beginning to the end hopefully yeah but it's like it's so much harder work and it's a lot less hard work okay it's harder because it's every day and i think people underestimate how long it is like if you've especially if with amateur theater when people are working in the day and you do an eight-hour shift and then you turn up at 5.30 and you don't get home until half 10. Like, that's a long day. Yeah. A long, long day. The, are the shows the antithesis for you of, of the process? Is it where you're directing your attention throughout the rehearsals? Or are you manifesting something in rehearsals and then, okay, now the show is a thing. It's a beast of its own. First night, shit, that, I'm, I'm now analysing what happened this night and I'm yeah no I think I think of the rehearsals more as the work right and then when it gets to showtime it's like I've done all this work and I want to show people right and that's just nothing but pleasure for me okay being able to show people the work that I've done like I'm I've like I appreciate notes after a show in a sort of in a technical way or in a like there's something not quite right about this scene let's have a look at it before the show again tomorrow mm -hmm. but it's all I just yeah there's no part of performing a show that I've worked on for weeks or months that isn't utterly pleasurable for me okay so what about what about the fact that there's 100 people sat outside that door when you're about to walk or you know go onto stage does that not have an impact on your mental state I get like terrible first night nerves. Okay. I like, I don't, I feel like I say that I'm not nervous and I don't really get stage fright. And then for the first two days before the show, I like won't be sleeping very well and I won't eat, you know? And I, and I don't notice that I'm doing it because I'm like, yeah, I'm not nervous. I'm excited. I'm not, I'm not nervous. I'm I love the shows. It's my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. This is the best bit. And then I, just before the show and I'm like faint with like hunger and yeah I can't keep anything down and like my body gets nervous more than my brain does I, okay. I'm good at in my head being like it's fine I'm fine and my body's like you're not <laughs> terrified and then like standing in the wings moment before you go on the first night is always completely terrifying and you blank all your lines and you you know it's all that typical stuff but then after the first night it's just exciting it's right. once you've done it once it's like i'm not going to forget my lines i am going to be able to do it and people will clap at the end you need right. to be reminded once i think that people will clap at the end and people will say nice things to you regardless of whether you're shit because they like you and we're british you know yeah.